Matthew chapter 4, if you have your Bibles, and I'm going to turn you to a couple different places this morning. I don't often do that. I quote a lot of Scripture, but I'm actually going to ask you to turn to a couple of different passages. And Matthew chapter 4 is just going to kind of be um, where we're going to start. Um, just a little bit of a review from last week, as quickly as I can get it in. Um, we did a little bit of a word association game last week. I'll tell you kind of how this whole sermon series got started in that. Um, anytime, the, the first day of November, when November comes around, um, the first thing I think about, and I always associate with November, although hunting season is a big part of it, <laughs> the first word that I think about when I think of November is Thanksgiving. And the word that follows Thanksgiving is food, because everything in that holiday revolves around that Thanksgiving meal. And I love that part of Thanksgiving. It's non-commercialized. It's more about the family, the fellowship, and the food um, that we enjoy together on that day. Um, we talked, I, talked, I did another little word association last week of what, what does that Thanksgiving dinner do for you? And um, I gave you my list in, in somewhat of an order, and that is that it brings, it brings enjoyment, it is, it is nourishment, um, after the meal especially, there's a great deal of contentment. Um, we enjoy good fellowship together, and then there's that element of getting everything pulled back together. Um, Thanksgiving, unlike any other of the holidays, unlike our Sunday dinners, our kids will eat and leave us to clean up the mess. <laughs> and that's fine. We're glad they're eating with us. Um, but Thanksgiving, it seems like everybody, after they've rested for a few minutes, they get up and pull together, serving one another. Um, cleaning everything up, and, and there's a reason for that list. It ties in with what I want to share with you. What do we get out of um, the business of spiritual food? What do we get out of the business of spiritual growth? So last week, every part of the gospel ministry is covered by two words, and that is evangelism and discipleship. It doesn't matter what kind of ministry you talk about that the church is involved in. Ultimately, you can put it under the heading of evangelism and discipleship. And those things work hand in hand. They're designed to work hand in hand because evangelism is about winning the lost to Jesus and discipleship is about training those lost people that have been converted to go out and win other lost people. And, and I shared with you last week that, um, that God is, he has shared spiritual truths with us throughout his creation in a lot of different ways. It's interesting to me that when you talk about a seed, which is where all of our food comes from. Every natural food that we eat originated, plant or animal, originated with a seed. And you see that back in the very beginning of Genesis when God created the plants. The Bible says that those plants produce fruit. And inside that fruit there was a seed that was capable of producing more fruit. That's evangelism and discipleship in a nutshell. When you're born again, the Lord Jesus Christ plants his seed, the incorruptible seed of the word of God in your heart. And in that seed there's the capacity to bring forth fruit and make other seed. And, and that's, that's the whole circle of evangelism and discipleship. That's what we are. The, the fruit of the righteous, the Bible says, is a tree of life. Uh, and he that winneth souls is wise. The fruit of righteousness, that's the fruit of our life, uh, is a tree of life. It brings life. It brings the, the, that incorruptible seed of the word of God can be scattered across this world. So, disciples are made. Um, it's not enough just to be a convert. We need to become a disciple. And disciples are made by having a regular diet of spiritual food. Disciples are made from a regular diet of spiritual food. This is all review, but I want you to understand... Um, that I believe the Lord has hidden His plan even in our digestive processes. Um, our spiritual life, our spiritual vitality, we, we live, we survive, we thrive. 
um, because we eat, because we get nourishment, because um, we ingest things to fuel um, our bodies so that it can go and do what it's been called to do. Well, the spiritual digestive process is just like the physical process. Um, we, we ingest food. Um, we digest food. Um, we then assimilate that food. That's what drives us. That's what motivates us. That's what moves us. And, um, and in the last part, and this is going to be a fun study, and I'm not going to get in depth and get gross about it, I promise you. But um, what, whatever our body can't use, we get rid of it. We get rid of it. The egestion, that's the last part of, and you can't, if you stop that process, you'll get in trouble in a hurry. We got we to gotta follow that order. And there are things in our life spiritually that as we grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, um, that it may have been profitable for us at one time, but it'll be something that he's called us to lay aside. And there's a, some interesting passages of scripture about that. So back to where we started last week when we talked about ingestion, a, a healthy spiritual diet. And this is important. I'm going to say this over and over. Um, it, it, it begins, continues, and finishes with eating the bread of life who is the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything about our lives is about Jesus. All right? Everything about this book is about Jesus from beginning to end. Now, you can divide it up into all kinds of categories, but if you leave Jesus out of it, you're going to have a mess on your hands. Jesus is the bread of life. We ingest him to find eternal life. And when you talk about in, ingesting food, um, ingesting who Jesus is, uh, what he has done, and what he has said to us and said for us. That's, what, um, that, that's the whole business of, um, of believing. Feasting on who Jesus is, feasting on uh, what Jesus did, and feasting on what Jesus um, has said to us and for us. But it all goes back to um, our faith in Christ is the reason for everything else. Everything that follows. It begins with Him. It continues with Him. It ends with Him. Jesus is first, foremost, and final in all of our theology. Um, so when He said that, that, we, that we are to eat the bread of life and that we would have uh, everlasting life. So that, that's where it begins. But ingesting is about believing. You go back to the whole story again, and I'm, I won't preach it again, I promise you. But when he said, eat my flesh and drink my blood, if you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have everlasting life. It's not about the communion table. It's not about the body and blood of, uh, of the communion table becoming the actual body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He made it very clear in that passage of Scripture that if you believe in him, that you have everlasting life. That's the message throughout the Gospel of John, that if you believe, you have everlasting life so ingesting believing who Jesus is what he did uh, and what he said um, is, is simply is simply having faith in him feasting on that faith that we have in Christ but that's not where it stops the digestive process goes from ingesting food to digesting food and some of the medical manuals use the word absorption to just differentiate from the, when you say digestive process and then you put number two as digestion um, that some people just use the word absorb, absorbing or absorption. You eat the food and then your body absorbs it. It is, it is uh, nourished. Um, it, it provides nutrition from that, which in turn provides energy. I'll get into a little bit more of that. When we talk about digestion, um, what we're talking about is understanding. It's pretty simple to be saved, all right? The Bible did not make it hard for people to be saved. For whosoever... And believeth in him, God sent his son into the world, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, 
Believe in thine heart that God is raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's all it takes to that's what it takes to be saved. You believe in who Jesus is, you believe in what Jesus did, you believe in what Jesus said regarding salvation, and you are saved. All right? You have everlasting life. But that's not where it stops at. Uh, we want to grow in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to become disciples. And so digestion is about understanding more about who Jesus is, more about what Jesus did, and certainly more about what Jesus said. Um, so last week we started with this premise of let's eat. And the first thing that we eat is the bread of life. But then next thing we need to do in this spiritually digestive process is get to the milk uh, and the meat. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, um, that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. After 40 days of fasting, he was led away into the wilderness to be tempted of the enemy. And every time Satan tempted Jesus, Jesus came back at him. He counteracted him. He contradicted him. Uh, he, 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 he put a stop to the temptation by quoting to him the word of God. And the first thing that Jesus said in this temptation is that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So digestion is about absorbing the word of God into our life so that we might learn more about Jesus, who he is, what he, what he did, and, and what he said. Interesting verse at the end of John chapter 6. Um, that, we, that we looked at last week. To grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have to digest and absorb the Word of God. In John chapter 6, verse 63, Jesus used the word quickeneth. He said it is the Spirit. He's, he's telling these folks that what I just talked to you about is not cannibalism. I'm speaking to you spiritual words. I'm speaking to you physical words to illustrate spiritual truth. And what he said is that, that the words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life-giving. But he used the word quickeneth. He said it is the Spirit... That quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. I look that word quickeneth up, and most of the time it means giveth life. But one of my favorite definitions of that word is that it arouses and invigorates us. And so when we, when we, in, when we ingest the Lord Jesus Christ and we begin to digest what His Word says to us about Him, about us, and what He expects of it, it gives us, uh, it invigorates us, it arouses us. His digested words awaken us. The more you understand, who Jesus is, the more you understand what Jesus um, did by your understanding of the Word of God, the more aroused and invigorated you'll be to go out and be um, His disciple. So, uh, I'm trying to preach fast, but listen, what, what happens when you truly begin to digest the Word of God? I mean, we, we are believers. We know who Jesus is and what He did, and we've accepted that by faith. But what happens when you really begin to understand, when you begin to digest those truths of God's Word? Um, it changes who you are. From the inside out, it changes who we are, and it changes what we do. It feeds us, it, it fuels us, and it, and it fills the spiritual voids that exist in our life. Um, I've used this illustration before. When you get saved, you got all of the Holy Spirit that you're ever going to get. He's not divided up into little bitty pieces. You get all of the Holy Spirit. Um, but as you grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, as you begin to digest His Word, um, the whole, you give the Holy Spirit more of you. And you, as you begin to surrender different portions of your life, you're filled then um, with that Word of God. So um, it changes who, you, who we are and it changes what we do. It fills us, fuels us, and, and fills us, um, all those spiritual voids in our life. So when we talk about um, eating... 
We ingest the bread of life, but then we digest the Word of God. We digest the milk and the meat of God's Word. Look with me in Hebrews chapter 5, um, verses 12 through 14. This is where we're going to jump off on this subject. <clears throat> I think you guys benefit in the second service because I think I cut out a little of the fluff. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter, I, I hadn't marked it, so I'm finding it too. Hebrews chapter number 5. Look with me at verse 12. And, and he's writing to people. Listen, the book of Hebrews got five very serious warnings on it, in it. And it's about people who are, who are beginning to turn away from Jesus. Who are beginning um, to begin to trust other things. Who are beginning to go back to Judaism. To go back to the law. There are five really stern warnings in the book of Hebrews. And this is one of those passages of scripture that Paul uses to help people avoid that falling away. To help help keep them from falling and, and he uses some terms here that I want to just point to and talk about for a few minutes he said for when the time uh, for when for the time you ought to be teachers you have need that one teach you again which be the first principles of the oracles of God and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat for everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So we ingest the bread of life by faith. We believe in the Lord Jesus Christ by faith and we're saved. What next? What's next? We digest the milk and the meat of his word. We digest the milk and the meat of his word. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. Peter tells um, the people that he's writing to that as newborn babes, they are to desire the sincere milk of the word that they may grow thereby. And verse 3 says, If so be you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Now, that is, I think that third verse is pointing to our salvation. If you have tasted... If, if so be that you have tasted that the Lord is gracious to you, um, that you have been saved, that you have been born again, that you have trusted Jesus and received eternal life by His presence in you. If you've done that, then the next thing that you need to do is like a child, like a newborn babe, you are to desire the sincere milk of the Word. Now, I have all ideas that when they, um, those original readers of Peter's words... Um, when they read that statement, they understood that Peter is talking about a baby at his mother's breast. Um, I, I'm sure they probably drank cow milk and some goat milk, but ultimately when you talked about a newborn babe and the ingesting of milk, it was at his mother's breast. And uh, I just did a little bit of a research, and I'm not a, I'm not a, a doctor, I'm not, I'm not a nutritionist, I'm certainly not a dietitian, or I'd be in better shape than I am. Um, but if you, if you just look up breast milk, there are, some, there are some words that immediately will pop up. And the first, that it is, that it is nutritious. That it is the most nutritious food that you can feed a newborn baby. And it is nutritious in the sense that it is easy for them to digest and easy for them to get into their body systems. I, this, I found this interesting myself because um, I, I love how physical realities illustrate spiritual truths. And one of the things it said about um, breast milk is that the digestive system um, in a baby is pretty tender. And um, it can't take anything really strong. And a mother's breast milk changes as the baby grows. But that, that very early diet, I think they call it colostrum or something like that, it is essentially designed, first of all, to help strengthen that baby's digestive system. 
Now, it strengthens all the systems. It strengthens the baby's skeletal system. It helps in its brain formation. Um, but one of the initial things that it does is strengthens the digestive system to begin to be able to process the nutrients um, that are being put into it. So Peter said, as, as, as newborn babes, if you've been saved as a newborn babe, the next step is that you need to begin to digest the milk of God's Word, which brings you nutrition, which will help you digest everything else that you begin to put in your body, which will strengthen your skeletal system and help you stand, strengthen your brain and help you to think. Even, even beyond that, you get antibodies from a mother's milk that you don't get from formula, from cow's milk or from goat's milk. You, the mother passes along the antibodies that are in her system um, to the baby that nurses at her breath. And so when you think about the milk of God's Word, I want you to keep, this, keep the imagery in mind. When you think about the milk of God's Word, that is the fundamental, essential doctrines of God's Word that are the milk. Who Jesus is, what Jesus did, what Jesus said... Um, those essential doctrines, I, I said it earlier, I think you can go back to the Reformation. Th these are essential truths. That salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to the Word of God alone, and for the glory of God alone. Those are essential doctrinal truths. Um, you, the essential doctrinal truths that Jesus was born of a virgin. He did not inherit a sinful nature. He, uh, he was the seed of the woman, the fulfillment of prophecy. He did not inherit Adam's nature. Um, he was born um, without a sinful nature, and he lived his life without sin, not in thought, not in word, not in deed. Um, he laid down his life as a sacrificial substitute for our sin because he, he did not owe a debt for his sin because he had no sin. Uh, he was crucified for our transgressions, buried in a borrowed tomb, and rose again from the third day, victorious, and is ascended back to heaven. Those are foundational truths. you got to start there. You need to understand those things because if you get mixed up in those things, um, the other doctrines of Scripture won't make any sense to you and it'll all crumble and fall apart. So when you think about these essential, foundational, um, bottom-line doctrines of God's Word, they are milk for us. They provide health to us. They provide strength for us. They help us um, to, 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 to grow in our understanding incrementally uh, into something deeper and stronger. Um, they're key to our development. I, you know, if you don't get this milk, if, you, if your digestive system is not set up with these essential doctrines and you start trying to build on that with strong meat, um, you'll get yourself in trouble very quickly. Uh, also, I think one of the cool parts about it is the whole antibody. If you, if you, if you have these fundamental foundational doctrines settled in your heart because you've studied the Word of God. You know who Jesus is. You know what He did and you know what He said. You know who you are in Him and you know He's intent on changing you. It insulates you against false doctrines. It helps you spot them when you see them. And then you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. And again, he's writing to a church that's in a mess. He's writing to a church that's got division in it. They're arguing about who baptized them. They said, Peter baptized me, Apollos baptized me, and Paul said, I thank God I didn't baptize any of you. Because you're arguing about stupid stuff. You're dividing yourself up over trivial issues. One of the first things he said to them was that they all speak the same thing. He wanted them united in the fundamental doctrine. So he, he came to the Corinthian church with this letter, and he said, I could not speak unto you a spiritual but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I would love to speak to you uh, in, a, in a deeper way. I would love to speak to you as mature in your faith, but, but I've got to come back to you and speak to you in your carnality. You're acting like spiritual babies. And then the second verse says, 
I didn't turn to it. I fed you with milk. He said, I fed you with milk and not meat. When Paul established these churches, he gave them the essential doctrines of the faith. I fed you with milk and not meat, for you were not able to bear it before now. And he said, and you're still not ready for it. So he's, he's not only stressing the need for us to have that, the milk of the word diet, to digest that and to get those fundamental essential doctrines settled in our heart. Um, but he's also encouraging us to grow up into spiritual maturity. Being able to digest meat is indicative of one who has matured physically. Now again, um, I'm a pretty good Google researcher. Just type in meat or the benefits of eating meat. And I know veget- if you're a vegetarian, I'm sorry. But I really am sorry for you. Um, Maybe we were all originally vegetarians, but we ain't now. I ain't. But you, if you look up meat, um, one of the first things that you'll see that will pop up in a Google search is that is a nutrient-dense food. Most of the iron that you get, you get from meat. And, and if you have an iron deficiency, you'll get sick very quickly. Some people have to take iron supplements, but if you, it, it, most of the iron that we absorb into our bodies comes from the meat that we eat. We get zinc from it, which is in, important for our um, immune system. We get selenium from it. Most of the B vitamins come from the meat that we eat. In fact, I didn't know this, but just reading, people that are vegetarian have to take B12 supplements because B12 is, the, is primarily given to us by the meat that we eat which gives us the energy. So meat is a nutrient-dense food. It's protein. What does protein do? Protein builds muscle. Protein builds your, 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 your bone. Protein gives you energy. I talked about it this morning. Those old cowboys used to, you know, on old cowboy movies, they'd pull out out of a sack. Didn't need to be refrigerated or nothing. Old freeze-dried, or wasn't freeze-dried, probably sun-dried meat and chew on it, jerky. Um, there's protein, there's energy, there's the ability to, to, to take the next step forward and, and, and get to where you need to go and do what you need to do. Um, that that, that nutrient-dense, energy-providing protein um, that we call meat. Another thing that I found interesting in researching it is that every cell in your body contains protein, and that protein um, that is necessary for, it to, for the cells to recreate themselves. So their whole, the whole business of discipleship is sewn up in this. If you're going to be a soul winner, if you're going to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, you can't just get hung up in the milk of God's Word. You've got to begin to eat the meat. So when you talk about the meat of God's Word, what is that? What is the meat of God's Word? Well, I think that this is the doctrines, and Paul alluded to it in that passage we read in Hebrews. When you talk about the meat of God's Word, that's about the practical righteousness. We know that when we trust Christ as our personal Savior, that He gives us His righteousness and we stand before God justified. But it goes beyond that because Jesus talks to us about how we live our lives, about what's expected of us to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. So that, that business of practical righteousness. You've been justified by believing in Jesus, but what about being sanctified? What about growing up and beginning to look like Jesus? What about growing up and beginning to think like Jesus? What about growing up and beginning to speak like Jesus? Um, That's practical righteousness. That's the doctrine of sanctification. That is personal holiness because the Bible tells us to be holy because He is 
holy. So when you speak of um, spiritual, when you speak of eating meat, that is to gain the spiritual maturity that you need. Um, that has that will give you the ability um, to to not only win converts to Christ, but also to help make other disciples to teach them how to grow in their relationship with God. So. One fundamental difference, and I know there's a lot of difference in milk and meat, but, 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 but just stick with me for a minute. I've been thinking about this for, for weeks now, but one fundamental difference in milk and meat, and even when you look at it from the perspective of it being spiritual food, is that milk is usually most often delivered, especially if you're talking about a baby and a mother. The milk is delivered by another person. And I understand this. When people get saved, they need, they need somebody to come along beside them and show them the essentials of salvation. Am I right? I mean, I grew up in a Christian home. So I learned all the essential, fundamental, foundational doctrines from my mom and daddy. They fed me those things. They put that in me as a child. Um, I, when people come to me that are, that are new converts or that have never grown in their faith, they were not raised the way I was raised, they don't have the kind of um, biblical background and heritage that I have, and they come to me and they say, Preacher, I, don't, you know, I have a hard time understanding, comprehending the Word of God. The first thing that I do is tell them to go read the Gospel of John until they, until they got a pretty good grasp on who Jesus is and on what Jesus did and on what He offers you and how you receive that. Because John's whole Gospel is about believing in Jesus and everything that he did. Uh, it ain't a historical count. It is presenting him as the Son of God who came to save the world from, from our sins. And, and the, the, word, the message there is that we believe in him and we have everlasting life. And when you finish reading the Gospel of John, I tell new converts to go read the first epistle because there's a, there's a test there that tells you whether or not you understand those uh, doctrines that he taught in his epistle. Don't go to Leviticus. Don't go back into those Old Testament books that are so hard to understand. Don't even go to Paul's letters yet because the, uh, Peter said Paul's letters were hard to understand. And some of them are very difficult to understand. So I would say that Paul's, John's gospel is milk. Paul's epistles are meat. Um, Peter wrote a little more simply, so you might say Peter's letters were, were milk. Paul's letters are, are meat. But, but milk is usually delivered by another person we just we our, our mother feeds us we we suckle at her breast to get what we need and a new convert needs usually needs somebody to teach them what those essential doctrines of the faith are milk is delivered by another person meat um, can be delivered by one's own self now if you just give it a little bit of thought, even a baby is, when a baby is introduced to solid food, now y'all know how his grandparents are, we're going to introduce some solid food way before you want us to introduce some solid food. And probably way before they should. But if we feel like that baby ain't getting enough to eat, we're going to mash up some green beans. Um, and I, I, you know, I've, I know the doctors are a lot stricter on y'all than they used to be, and, and y'all fuss at us, but you were raised the same way, whether you like it or not. We spoon, you were spoon-fed mashed-up green beans, too. But you, you think about this. When, a, when you start moving a baby to solid food, even when you're starting to give them a solid food, you give it to them in little pieces. You don't hand, you don't hand a toddler a hot dog and say, here, eat that, do you? You slice and dice that baby, because you know what will happen if you give a toddler a hot dog? 
you finna be doing the Heimlich maneuver on the toddler. They don't know how to die. They don't know how to take that meat in. So we cut it in little bitty pieces for them. By the way, we're doing the same thing in Sunday school, in these little kids' classes. Edward's doing the same thing in children's church, in junior church. Y'all know that little message he gave us the other day with the heart? Serve the Lord with the whole heart. That, man, that's good stuff. That's something I can remember. Every time I walk in that room where his little styrofoam thing is, I think about it. Am I giving the Lord my whole heart there, just a piece of it? You know what Edward's doing when he does that type of stuff? He's giving them little bites. He's cutting, he's cutting the doctrines of God's Word up in small enough bites that a baby can receive it. He's still delivering it to them, but he's delivering it in a way um, that they can handle it. But there, t- there comes a time in all of our lives when we don't need somebody to feed us. We begin to feed ourselves. Now, every person in this room can either grow their own food, hunt their own food, or buy their own food. We, we, can, we can clean it, we can prep it, we can cook it, we can serve ourselves with that meat. And we also have the capacity to share it with other people. I'm talking about spiritual food now. And, and what, what the Lord's desire for our lives is that we eat that, that we get that foundation through the milk of His Word. And, and sometimes most of that's delivered by another person. But as we begin to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, we begin to feed ourselves from God's Word. I think I need to say this to you parents. I think that you have a responsibility to become a meat eater. Not, not in a physical sense, but in a spiritual sense. You have a responsibility to develop yourself in the Word of God so that you can help your children be nurtured. Bring up a child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And in order for you to disciple them, you've got to grow yourself. And in order for you to grow yourself, you're going to have to learn to feed yourself from God's Word. I'll get back to that in a minute. Um, this is what I believe. That you have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ in order to be saved. That's, that's, that's the ingestion, ingestion of who Christ is, what he did, and what he said. But you also, have to, you also have to digest the spiritual milk and meat of his word. Digesting the spiritual milk and meat of his word is the key to all of us growing up into the likeness and purpose of Christ. Digesting the spiritual milk and meat of God's word is the key to you and I growing up to look like Jesus and to do what Jesus has called us to do. Amen. Now see, I know a lot of people in this world who tell me they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But that ain't where it stops. Yeah, that's first, that's continual, that's final. Yeah, the bread of life has to come before everything else. But if you really want to dive down and get to know Him and grow in the grace and knowledge of Him, then you have to digest the milk and the meat of His Word. Now, my role as a pastor, according to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2, is to feed the flock of God. That's my primary goal. You, you can have a whole list of responsibilities that I might have as a pastor, but the number one thing God has called me to do is deliver His Word is to feed you with his word. When Peter failed, you know, he, he, um, he, he denied Jesus three times, and then Jesus had that fish fry on the shore, and Peter jumped out of the boat because he was naked. You know that story? I don't know why he's fishing naked. I'm going to ask him one day. 
Maybe he had on something and John just recorded it that he was naked. But if you, if you remember that story, Jesus asked Peter three times if he loved him. You remember that story? Peter, you love me? Lord, you know I love you, Jesus said, feed my sheep. I mean, Peter's getting upset because Jesus, he given him, he denied him three times. Jesus has given him a chance to redeem himself and affirm him three times. And Peter three times said, Lord, you know that I love you. And every time, every time Jesus responded with, if you love me like you say you love me, then your responsibility is to feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. Feed them the milk, feed them the meat. Give them what they need to grow into my likeness. And that's what, that's what Peter did. On the day of Pentecost, the first preacher who stood up and began to feed the sheep was Peter. Um, that's what Peter did in his letters. That's what Peter did in the book of Acts. He's feeding the sheep that God has entrusted them with. Um, Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15. God said, I'll give you pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. As, as, you, as I give you the milk and the meat of God's word, it is to increase your knowledge and understanding of who Jesus is, what Jesus did, and what Jesus expects of us because of what he said. In Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 4, he said, I will set up shepherds over them which shall feed them, and this is, this is the response of the flock, and they shall fear no more, neither be dismayed or confused, neither shall they be lacking, saith the Lord. You understand that verse says that if I do my job, if God put me here and he called me to feed his sheep, and if I feed, him, if I feed you as God has instructed me to feed you, then you're not going to be afraid of the enemy, then you're not going to be afraid um, to go out and be a witness, and you're not going to be afraid to be a, 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 a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not going to be confused by every wind of doctrine that comes floating by you and you go running after it and you're going to have what you need. You won't be lacking in anything. You'll be equipped to do whatever God has called you to do. And that's what the Bible says the work of the ministry is, is to equip the saints to do that work of the ministry. That is the calling of a pastor. My role is, as a pastor is to feed you the word. The milk of it and the meat of it. And, and, and I do my very best every week. And I know I don't always hit a home run. Y'all ever eat meals? Sometimes you ain't, you know, I eat it, but it ain't real good. Cindy, Cindy laughs at me because I go in a restaurant and look for something I ain't never ate before. And by the way, if y'all ever want to take Edward out to a nice, iconic restaurant that's got all kind of fancy food, you're wasting your time. I took him to the to the seafood restaurant in Atlanta that everybody talks about. Man, their seafood dishes, they got, they got anything you could ever dream of in there. And I was looking through that list trying to find me something new I'd never tasted before. Everyone was looking through that list and the waiter came by and Edward said, y'all just got fried shrimp. <laughs> and the guy said, yeah, we can do that for you. Cindy said, what you going to do if you get something you don't like? I said, it's got to be nasty for me not to eat it. I might not ever order it again. But I'm going to eat it this time. And we ate some stuff in California. I still ain't sure what we ate. I think it was octopus, but it, I won't never eat it again if I can help it. So sometimes I come and I give you what, exactly what you need and you enjoy it. And sometimes you don't. I know that I don't always knock it out of the park. But my responsibility is to do my very best to prep the food and set the table. And I ain't saying this in a mean-spirited way, so don't take it that way. 
I can prep the food and set the table, but if you don't show up to eat, it ain't going to do you any good. Now, my primary job is to feed the sheep, and the sheep don't show up at feeding time. And see, I know this sometimes, and it ain't that I'm preaching to anybody or at anybody. I just know that there are some Sundays when the Lord's put a word on my heart because I know you, when you confide in me or when I know things that are going on in your life where you're struggling and you're having a hard time, I know that there are some messages sometimes that God has ordained for you to receive and the enemy makes sure that you don't make it. I can do all I can do. But it won't do you any good if you don't show up to eat. So let me just let me close by just how many physical meals do you miss in a week? How many? I mean, if honestly, let's just, let's be let's be brutally honest. Unless we decide that we fasting for a few days, we're not gonna miss too many meals. Physically speaking, we're gonna make sure. That when we feel a hunger pain coming on, we're going to fill it up. You know what? I, I think a lot of the feelings that we have that are negative, that are filled with doubt, that, are, that, are, that, that bring fear to us, a lot of those things that we feel, those are hunger pains. There is a void in our heart that we need to fill up spiritually. Do you respond to those spiritual hunger pains by going to the milk and the meat of God's Word? Um, those, those starving children on the other side of the world, his bellies are so bloated because they hadn't eaten weeks, they're not even hungry anymore. And I want to tell you something about your spiritual diet. If you don't ever feed your spirit, it'll get where it ain't hungry anymore. When the hunger pain subsides, you won't know that you're starving anymore. My job is to feed you. When you show up. But you also have a responsibility to feed yourself. If you are a born again, blood washed, child of the living God. And, 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 and if you've feasted on the milk and you know what those foundational fundamental doctrines are. Then you need to learn to feed yourself. God will give you a steady diet of spiritual truth all week long. I still think there's something important about corporate worship and corporate assembly. But if all that you're getting is what you're getting here on Sunday morning, you're starving spiritually. And it don't matter how well I try to feed you. It'd be like you going um, to B-Max after church today and then not eating again until next Sunday. Um, it'll give you a sense of fullness for a few hours and then it's gone. And you're going to need more than that to sustain you through the week. You need to learn to feed yourself. Job is a hero in God's word. You know what Satan said? <clears throat> Job is just Job because you won't let me touch him. You won't let me afflict him. He's got everything going his way. If you let me do this to him and you let me do that to him, Job will curse you to your face. And Job didn't. God called Job a perfect man. Why was Job able to withstand the kind of assault that he withstood, not only from Satan and the loss of his health and the loss of his wealth and the loss of his family members, and his wife even criticizing him, calling him to curse God and die. And his friends come along to try to comfort him. And all they could do was accuse him of being guilty of some type of sin. And Job never, the Bible said, the end of the book of Job said that with his lips and with his life, Job, Job never sinned against God. How did he do that? 
Well, there's a verse in Psalm. I didn't give it to Zena. There's a verse in Psalm that says, I, Thy word have I hidden in mine heart that I might not, what? Sin against thee. Well, here's what Job said. And Job's making defense of himself to his friends who are making accusations against him. He said, Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. He said, I have not failed to keep God's word. Why? Because I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. I have esteemed what God said more important than eating, eating physical food every day. I have taken God's word into my heart so that I would not sin against him. I have digested the milk and the meat. So let me ask you a question. How important is your spiritual growth to you? Are you, are you digesting the milk and the meat of God's word? How important is it to you to grow up into the likeness of Christ? Do you listen to it? Do you hear it? Are you reading it? Are you studying it? Are you meditating on it? That's the only way you're going to grow spiritually. It's the only way you're going to be sanctified. The Bible says that we're sanctified by the washing of His Word. Um, Peter said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy Word is truth. The only way that we grow spiritually is to take God's Word and digest it, absorb it into who we are. It don't happen by osmosis. You can't lay your head on your Bible at night and it just drain into you. Hear it. Where do you hear it? You hear it on church on Sunday morning. But listen, we got all kind of opportunities. John just told you about a Bible app. I, I think there's something, I don't know, I'm just speculating, I understand. I think there's some biblical precedence behind it. But sometimes I can read the Bible and I'm not hearing things like I should hear it. And I can, I can take that same passage of Scripture and put the audio on and drive down the road with it, play it in my car, and I, I hit the rewind button. Wait a minute. I, I heard it. It got it somehow or another. I've read that thousands of times, but that never, it never moved me like it just moved me. It never spoke to me like it just spoke to me. I think there's some Bible precedents for that in John, uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 17, that faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the Word of God. We've got to put ourselves, and I think it's important to read it. Don't get me wrong, but, but sometimes it's the hearing it that impacts us. I think when I read sometimes, and maybe y'all do too, I don't, I don't typically read out loud. And, and you know what happens when you're reading silently? Your mind goes, shoom, shoom, shoom. Did you ever do that? I mean, I have to start over sometimes. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't care what I'm reading. I say, I got to go back to the beginning of this because I'm lost now. But there's something about hearing it that arrests our attention. You get drawn into it. Maybe we ought to start reading it out loud or at least playing it out loud. Studying it. What does that mean? Meditating on it. Read Psalm chapter 1. Read Psalm chapter 1. Talks to us about what a godly man looks like. That he takes God's word. His counsel is not, he doesn't sit in the seat with sinners or, or stand in the counsel of the ungodly. But his delight is in the law of God and in it he doth meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by 
um, rivers of living water and his, and his fruit. He'll produce fruit and his leaf will not wither. Now, that's, a, that's my paraphrase. I didn't quote it exactly. But what's the key? Psalm 1, the first psalm, first hymn. The first hymn in the songbook of Israel says, God's word needs to be studied, meditated upon, digested. Then our life will become fruitful. Now, let me say this, and, and, and I'm going to read one more passage of Scripture from Isaiah 55, and, and, and I'm done. Here's what I'm afraid that we do with our spiritual food sometimes. We do the same thing with our spiritual food that we do with our physical food. We eat more than we can digest. I did that last night. Cindy brought me, I told her to get me a firehouse sub. She got me one of them big long ones. Turkey bacon ranch. I think they put more meat on this one than they've been putting because every time I try to bite it from the end, meat squish out the sides. And so I ate it down the side. And I ate that first half, and I thought, man, that was good. Because I didn't eat lunch yesterday. I no excuse for it. I just didn't eat lunch. And uh, Actually, I ate, we ate an early breakfast is what we did. I came home from hunting, and we cooked. I cooked grits and eggs and bacon. But that's gone by 6 o'clock, and it was, it's 7.30, 8 o'clock now, so I'm about famished. And I ate that first half, and I'm like, man, that was good. I hit the spot. And I looked at that second half and said, I'm finna eat that too. <laughs> and I ate that and asked Cindy what I said. I shouldn't have ate that last half. Because <laughs> now I'm miserable. Because now my body is working overtime trying to digest everything I just packed in it. And I'm going to tell you something. We do the same thing. I, and I run into people sometimes. I make it a habit to read 10 chapters a day. What would you get out of it? Tell me what you read. Maybe y'all better than me. But I love our Sunday school lessons because they usually give us three or four, five verses, 10, 12 at the most. I read them every morning and I ask God to speak to me from that passage of Scripture. The, my daily devotional, I'll pull out whatever verse I feel like God spoke to me the most from and just share with you what God shared with me. So I would encourage you. I don't care where you find your source from. Get you a daily Bible reading guide and read that portion and ask God to speak to you from that portion. You don't have to break down every verse. Just use the verse that spoke to you. I promise God will use that verse in your life that day or let you use it in the life of somebody else to be an encouragement to them. You'll be amazed at what sticks with you even when you ain't trying to get it to stick with you. That's what absorbing the Word of God will do for you. Let me close with this. Food is expensive. But it's necessary. Physical food is expensive. But it's necessary. The good news is that spiritual food is necessary but free. Gideon's always used. John used it this morning. Isaiah 55, 11, that God's word wouldn't return void. It would accomplish that that he sent it to do. It'll do that in our lives. It'll accomplish what God sends it to do. If we read it, hear it, study it, meditate, and seek to absorb it into our life. But listen to what Isaiah 55 verse 1 says. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. He that hath no money, come ye buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? 
Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. If you digest the Word of God, the milk and the meat, it will make your soul fat. I'm telling you, a fat soul is prettier than a fat body. It's better for you, I should say, because I don't think I look horrible, but... The Bible speaks highly of a fat soul, all right? <laughs> I ain't so sure it means the same thing for our bodies, but it's good for us to delight ourselves in the Word of God, to enjoy its sweetness, to meditate on its promises, to apply its principles. It'll make us more like Jesus. Digesting the spiritual milk and meat is the key to us growing up into the likeness of Christ. Let's stand together. Lord, we, um, we love you and we thank you for your love for us and we thank you for giving us your word. If it were not for this word, Lord, most of us would have never known anything about Jesus. There are people on the other side of the world who have not heard the name of Jesus because they've never been exposed to a Christian and they've never been exposed to a Bible. The very least we can do is put the Bible in their hands. Let them read the good news for themselves. But I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to understand that even though our faith, it begins and continues and finishes with who Jesus is and, and what Jesus did and what Jesus said, it's all about the bread of life, that we can go deeper and that we can grow stronger by taking the milk and the meat of your word into our lives and letting it saturate us from top to bottom. Filling every spiritual void that exists there. Fueling us to go out and be who you've called us to be. To equip us to do every good work. That's what the word says about itself. It equips us. And so help us, Lord. Make up our mind today that we're not just going to believe in Jesus but that we're going to begin to digest this word um, Lord I pray if there's one here this morning that's not saved they'd start this morning with the bread of life they'd start this morning simply by believing that they're a sinner that cannot save themselves and that they would trust completely and fully in Jesus and what he's done for them Lord, I pray for us all as Christians to grow so that we might be better disciples, so that we might lead others to you. I pray that you just add your blessing to this invitation. Do whatever you want to do. And uh, we'll give you glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.